The weirdest SNL host, Russell Crowe, is Robin Hood, and Scientology gets its best movie ever, Battlefield Earth, this week on 302010. Welcome everyone to 302010, uh, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine each week taking you back 30, 20, and 10 years ago into the past of our favorite movies, TV, game shows, uh, game shows, video games, television shows, <laughs> but basically celebrating all the anniversaries, the demises, the debuts of some of our favorite things in music, TV, and more. Uh, hi, one of yours, Chris Santista, who else is with us? I now have leverage over the man animals, Diana Goodman. It's me, Sarah. And uh, yes, I should say right off the top, this show is brought to you by Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Um, and it's executive produced by Raymond Covey and many other fine people over there for the price of like five bucks. You get a bunch of extra shit. We have a brand new 302010 video games episode. And it is it is not long? only it is it is not only long. There's a point in there where I think it's so late. We're so we get a little toasty and just we're so weirded out by what's happening in the world. It's the closest I think we've come to all cracking uh, <laughs> during the quarantine. It happened sort of in a fun way for the last hour of the 302010 <laughs> Games Edition where it just goes off the rails trying to figure out where to leave it because we also have another couple hours of Sick of, sick of Star Wars coming for you this week. Uh, I liked Revenge Ooh. of the Sith way more than I remembered. But... Yeah, patreon.com slash lasertime. Uh, if you have the means, please help out your favorite podcast network. Laser Time this week, uh, Diana and Sarah have joined us for a bottle episode episode, talking about our favorite bottle episodes in honor of both the quarantine and the return of community on Netflix. Anyway, hi, ladies and gentlemen. 30, 20, 10. Each week we look th- 30, 20, and 10 years ago back in time to this week that we're recording, and this week is May 8th through the 14th, so we will head back first to 1990. <laughs> I could have played uh, this. This to me was ex- super exciting. A little bit of news to bring in the RIAA, the Record Industry AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, unva- <laughs> unveils the pres- president, <laughs> the parental advisory explicit lyrics logo. Oh, which, which I think they wanted to be the scarlet letter and said it was one of the coolest things any huh. kid had ever seen. Oh, yeah. Yes. You had you the choice. T-shirts out of it. Come on. Yeah, and if you saw both versions at Walmart, you grabbed the one with the logo. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know you're getting some cool stuff now. I, I yeah. Just the total opposite of intention. This is naughty words we don't want kids to listen to. I'm like, when you put that on something, I'm a little more interested. I'm like, oh, never heard of this <laughs> band, but they curse. Cool. Uh, I, I don't know. Kids are like that nowadays. Uh, Twitter leads me to, to believe they're not. But like, yeah, the naughtier you made something look, the more we wanted it. And yeah. I, I, it's so ill-advised. And I don't that's, even know if it exists anymore. That's not I don't think that's how kids operate these days. I can't, honestly. I can't even imagine. There's just like an explicit tag on iTunes and you can ignore it if you want. But it also like even stupider. It didn't come with any restrictions. Mm-hmm. So you could still sell these albums to kids. So mm-hmm. so they did, and I bought them. <laughs> I bought a ton of them. Yeah, it wasn't like a rating like at the movie theater mm-hmm. where they won't sell you a ticket allegedly if you don't if you're not 17. Although I don't know that I've ever seen that enforced. But uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that enforced. I got to enforce it. Ooh. It was fun. Yuck! <laughs> Diana's. I got man. to enforce it at a dollar theater, and mostly <laughs> I'd just be like, "Hey, you 17? No," and it was like. 
die hard with a vengeance. Like, yeah, okay. Except for the one time uh, these kids came in and uh, I was like, yeah, you, they were like 11. And I'm like, oh... I don't know, guys. Wait, were they standing on top of each other's shoulder- oh, shoulders yes. in a trench coat? Because that is almost as smart as what they did. I said, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sorry. Them. You know, you're supposed to have a parent. Like, my boss is going to get on me. And so they went around the corner, which was still glass at the box office, and I could still see them asking adults to say, hey, could you say you're our mom? They, hey, could you say you're our mom? I never thought to wow. hey, mister, to get into a movie. Yeah. I mean, I definitely did the trench coat thing. I think all kids did. Three, I mean, one for Henry and June. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's. But yeah, ridiculous. I, I I know the MPAA, the R ratings. Those are those are still a form of voluntary, and so is the R. But there was no worldwide music chain to adhere to this. Musicland would sell you whatever you wanted. Turtles were anyway. Nineteen ninety. Pretty Woman is still number one at the box office. We gotta talk about the movies of May eighth to the fourteenth of nineteen ninety. And they are fucking weird. We have a lot of movies each time, and only some of them are notable, so we're going to blow through a couple of these and put it in the comments if you're like, oh, you really should have paid more attention to that. Well, one of these that that I think you want to blow past, we talked way too much about on Laser Time, so go listen there. Uh, not not show force starring Amy Irving, Andy Garcia, LDP, Lou Diamond Phillips, Robert Duvall, and Eric Estrada. I don't know anything about that. Um, it's a detective story in Puerto Rico about some activists get killed, and then Amy Irving's investigating. Sounds heavy, man. Uh, th- this what this seemed like the mo- one of the most fascinating pieces that I found. Def Def by Temptation, D E F, like Def Jam, star- was written and starring and directed by James Bond the Third, Kadeem Hardison, and Bill Nunn, and Sam Jackson's in here too. Uh, it is. I I don't know of a, another black horror comedy from before this period, uh, hmm. but that's what this is like a succubus killing young black men in. A, but it's a comedy in uh, in New York, hmm. and I've never heard of it. But like, yeah, I love horror comedies, and they're actually they're kind of they used to be kind of few and far between, and then streaming kind of like you have a horror comedy every seven seconds. But uh, yeah, that exists. A bunch of Spike Lee alum in this weird. Hmm. Uh, independent black, I don't want to say black comedy, black horror comedy. Um, and this movie we talked about, Diana, you were on the episode that we talked all about hippies. <laughs> God damn, this hippies. is like the last hippie movie, Tommy Chong's Far Out Man. Um, he plays a hippie trying to get along with his son, C. Thomas Howell, otherwise known as Soul Man himself. Uh, Pony Boy, mm-hmm. Radon Chong, Shelby Chong, what a coincidence, Paris Chong, mm-hmm. Martin Mull, Judd Nelson, Michael Winslow, Cheech Marin, and uh, Paul Bart- Bartow, but written and directed by, uh, by, by yeah, Tommy Chong, because he's right. an oddly creative dude. Uh, it's insipid and, and totally and all available on YouTube. Uh, it, in terms of sequels I never knew existed, Class of 1999, with a fucking crazy cast uh, of mostly the, the adults. John P. Ryan, Pam Greer, Patrick Kilpatrick, Stacey Keach, Malcolm McDowell, Tracy Lynn, uh, Bradley, uh, Bradley Gregg, and Class of 1999. In 1999, the government finally developed a program to make high schools safe for everyone, except the students. They cannot be human beings. They've been waging war with my students. Isn't that what all teachers do? in there to waste some teachers. The ultimate teaching machines out of control. Class of 1999. Rated off. <laughs> I'm so excited. I've, I've seen Class of 1984 and this mm-hmm. is the much-awaited follow-up. Uh, yeah. Class of 99. I never knew this existed. 
Yeah, it's it's the Empire Strikes Back of the Class of trilogy because there's also Class of 99 to The Substitute. (laughs) Class of 99 as well. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I've never seen this. um, I mean, I watched a ton of clips. I feel like I might have seen this back in the day, but I don't remember. Like in high school, I might have watched it. Um, It's kind of like Escape from New York in a school Hmm. where it's like a... It's a futuristic sort of uh, nightmare situation where everything's like super violent and the school is in the middle of the like the violent zone where cops won't go. And then there's like this big gang war and who's going to survive? And then the teachers are ready to kill people. And ah! um, <laughs> I, I mean, anything that has the apocalypse in it and is also made in the 80s. Yes, please. <sighs> Especially yes, please. when they name a year. So, yeah, the far off year of 1999. <laughs> it's like, dude, that's nine years from now. That's not even like not futuristic. That's... It's not as futuristic as the year 3000. Well, that's what I year the wait. Matrix is set in. Oh, man. And uh, I don't know why this is the one to write home about because I've never heard of this either. Bruce Davidson, oh. Campbell Scott, Mary Louise Parker, a longtime companion is out this well, week. Well, let's yeah. talk about why it's important. It is challenge they've ever had to face we've been given your name as a contact for john deacon your friend has pneumonia he has a high fever how high 105 then they don't even tell him what they've told me and david i'm so sorry it's just not fair not fair i get it i really like fever man wow this should be ahead of its time oh yeah that other pandemic mm-hmm. <laughs> oh we yeah don't talk so Longtime Companion is kind of the first decent sized movie about AIDS. Oh, really? Yeah. Like the first? Uh, first? Mm-hmm. First. Which you think it's 1990. I mean, surely there was something in like 87 right. or right after Rock Hudson. I mean, there was, st- I mean, there were TV movies here and there, documentaries but here and there. We don't get in the band played on until 93. I knew you'd right. know that. And that was like the first one that I knew about. Yeah. And Philadelphia, I want to say, is the same year, 93? That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philadelphia is the first big studio movie right. that deals with AIDS. Uh, longtime Companions in indie, but it got a pretty decent release. Bruce Davidson, who I guess most people know is like the evil senator from X-Men, but he pulled an Oscar nomination. <laughs> and it's really touching. It's really it's a really good movie about, you know, all these friends. Uh, it starts in like 81 and it keeps hopping ahead in time as, you know, the people start getting sick and start dying and they don't have like the rights to go visit in the hospital or someone's family doesn't like you. And, Mm. uh, you know, this person's okay, but now they've like joined this activist coalition and, uh, you know, the, the, the title longtime companion was usually how people's, you know, common law spouses were referred to in obituaries. Mm. Right. They wouldn't even call someone like his boyfriend, he is survived by his boyfriend. It would be like his longtime yeah. companion. Lifelong right. chum. Like right. roommate. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's a good movie, and it's also uh, an interesting time capsule. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Oh, and Campbell Scott was uh, Spider-Man's dad in the awful Amazing Spider-Man movies. Just saying. Marvel Connections. Yeah. That I knew. None of the AIDS stuff. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, he is my fa- one of my favorite book on tape readers, Campbell Scott. He apparently... Like one of a lot of people's favorite uh, audiobook narrators. Yeah, like I've heard that from multiple people. This is like a very lucrative second career for I him. I think he did most <laughs> of the. Uh, oh my god, I'm getting so old. Why am I losing this? Johnny Depp, Fear and Loathing, Las Vegas, Hunter Thompson, uh, Hunter Ooh. Thompson novels, and he just has a wonderful, wonderful way of playing all of these characters. I especially recommend Rum Punch. I used to deliver Chinese food for a living, hence 
the fucking book on tape stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. 1990 TV, Buried Alive, oh, a TV boy. movie and directed by Frank Darabont. What this is his shit? film debut. What the this shit? Is his first movie that he is directed that's crazy and it looks so pulpy and it is on youtube and i'm probably gonna watch it tonight because oh my god i love this idea so much it's it's phenomenal the trailer is phenomenal now they think he's dead and buried they're only half right So I, <laughs> it's exactly what you think it is. A uh, uh, William Atherton, the man with no dick from Ghostbusters, yeah. uh, is having an affair with what's his name's uh, from from Wings' wife, and uh, and uh, they team up no, to kill him. Not, not what's oh, his bad. name from Wings. That's Tim Daly. Tim oh, Matheson <laughs> is Otter yes. in Animal House right. forever and ever. And uh, and they give him something that's supposed to cause his heart to stop, poison him. No one's going to notice, but he wakes up in his casket and. Scrubbing through the movie, which is all on YouTube, I don't know that much of it takes place in the. This is not Ryan Reynolds buried, right? Um, it, it, I think he gets out of there pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, he gets out and then he starts stalking them and freaking out. Jennifer Jason Lee's like, "He's not really dead. Oh, come on, calm down. He's totally really dead. No, he's not really dead." What a lovely, mm. lovely concept. And then I think he, <laughs> I think he comes out or wearing a welder's mask at some point. <laughs> That's crazy. As you do, as and, you, you do. know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh, this is for for some reason for me this is the most exciting week for SNL news because they're like, oh three mm. big weeks of SNL. Yeah. Wildly mm. news every week is wildly newsworthy in every decade. Uh, mm-hmm. This one I think features our first walk off from a cast member uh, mm. because the Andrew Dice Clay has come to town and he's hosting SNL with Julie Cruz and the Spanic Boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know why? Yes. The, yeah. Yes, I know why. I know why, but it just seems bizarre that like Andrew Dice Clay like schoolyard jokes are like have the world so upset. And I guess they're probably like sexist and shit too. But it just like yeah, it, yeah. No, he has a bunch of sexist and sort of violent against women jokes, and it's yeah. like they would be funny if like he were the butt of the joke. It's about mm-hmm. what like a loser he is that he has to like. Jack and Jill went up the hill. I fucked her. Oh, I fucking. (laughs) I don't love Andrew Dice Clay, but I think I sort of do. I didn't grow up listening to it, but those nursery rhymes were like legendary. They could be recited Mm. by little boys. Yeah. No, he could be funny, but he his content had a lot of sexist shit in it. And so what Nora Dunn said, she wouldn't appear. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And. Sinead O'Connor was supposed to be the musical yeah, guest, I think. she was going to be the musical guest and then canceled. And bounced. Like, no, thank you. And and that's all incredibly notable. And you know it's a big deal because as an SNL nerd, the host almost never appears in the cold open, you know, where Alec mm-hmm. Baldwin is most of the time now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the fir- opening sketch is all about Dice Clay. It's an It's a Wonderful Life parody. It's kind of all over the place. I uh, wish the uh, the world be better off without me. Oh, and then of course John Lovett's devil appears on the bridge because you know it's a wonderful life. Uh, and but it's it's filled with all this meta wonderful shit from SNL. If you're an SNL nerd, Take, he shows Dice the world what the world would look like if Dice would have killed himself. Here we are, where Studio 8H, home of Saturday Night Live. This was the show you were supposed to host. But because you were never born, Frank Zappa was booked instead. 
You kids might not remember this, but Frank Zappa was notoriously terrible on SNL in that he just completely broke from script and got real preachy. By the way, Frank Zappa's fucking awesome. I'm not talking shit on Frank Zappa at all. Uh, I thought it was a ballsy move, but he got essentially banned from the show. Dana Carvey's here playing him on stage as Andrew Dice Clay and the Devil walk around him. Zappa went off on an anti-censorship rant that lasted for 70 minutes. A world where Nazi stormtrooper automatons fed us a party line while Big Brother Bush and Reich Marshal Tipper watched us on telescreens operated by thought police who wiped their butts on the Bill of Rights and sent dissidents to the... All right, this feels like so... Like <laughs> just a much more Republican era, but it gets even better, and I really want to know what she thinks about this. They find... They find a dead set of legs uh, on the other side of the stage. Behold! What's that? That is Nora Dunn. Because you were never born, she was here that night and was accidentally crushed by Sinead O'Connor's amplifier. O'Connor felt so bad, she never sang again. Hey, that's too bad. She was a cute bald chick, you know. <laughs> I fucking, I really gotta love Dice. Maybe, maybe I just watched Stars Born too much. It's great to see him in that re- retiree role. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, I don't love jokes about like, oh, look at these chicks who can't take a joke. Oh, well, I don't it's think they, I don't think they they were doing that about Nora Dunn. They were just acknowledging that she wasn't there. Like, I think they were. I think they could have just let her not be there and not made a deal out of it. But instead, by making a, putting such a bow on it, yeah, no, you could be right. I, they're I, making a point here. Like mm-hmm. this is what happens to you if you have a problem with our jokes. It's something that doesn't really. Not a fan. It doesn't really happen except with Nora Dunn and Pete Davidson, people who don't show up SNL for reasons we don't know. Uh, but it's usually acknowledged somewhere in the show. And man, I spent. 30 minutes down the rabbit hole of the show that debuts on the 13th of May. I, 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 you ever have that revelation? Like, Hey, remember that? Like, Oh yeah, I do remember that. Oh, I'd never thought about that. I haven't thought about this in years. Oh, I fucking hate this. I, (laughs) I hate this so much. So I went around looking for a clip from America's funniest people and it is Uh, utter dog shit. It's like if, if, if Republicans were head writer of a comedy show, that's what this would be. Bunch of grandmas making headache jokes. It's fucking awful, dude. I can't headache jokes. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? Like, uh, I can't fuck now. I have a headache, and I uh, like, like, oh, just, uh, gotcha. But that's the thing. Like, America's Funniest Home Videos. It's why the format. It's still on with Carlton hosting it. Alfonso Ribeiro. Uh, America's Funniest People was people trying to be funny on purpose. So people filming sketches and sending them in really mm. stagey pranks. People doing just impressions of yeah. other people. I watched an episode. Most of the, no, there's no real fans of this show, even though it aired for four fucking years. Uh, the, but most of the uploads I found were people who won on the show. And one of the guys won for his Michael Jackson, Edward Scissorhands impression. He just put scissors on his hands and did Michael Jackson dances. And okay. It's, okay. And the, this the, is like for people who are like the funniest person at their office or whatever, it, it you is, know, it is Michael Scott, the show it's, it's, yes. it's excruciating. Oh I fuck I, like, I couldn't find a single thing I would force upon you people. And the banter is even worse. I didn't remember. 
Uh, Arlene Sorkin being Dave Coulier's co-host in the first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't yep. know she was, but now she's Harley Quinn forever. And yeah. and uh, then ta- on to Tawny Contain and Daisy Fuentes over the next four years for what ABC called America's Funniest Hour on Sunday nights. Uh, mm. Because it sort of was. I, I really still unabashedly love America's Funniest Home Videos even oh, yeah. more with, with the Bob Saget years. Love his voiceovers. AFV is great. AFP is 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 dog shit it is they have they i even like looked into it they have they had like a a stable of professionals to make shit if let's say nothing submitted was funny and (laughs) they had a jackalope character you'd probably remember that about it that dave coulier voiced Uh, Mm -hmm. it was very low rent and bad for network television (laughs) well and i i feel like it was all it was Maybe a receptacle for all the tapes that they got at America's Funniest Home Videos that were basically sketches and impressions and stuff. And they were like, well, we don't know yeah, what to do yeah. with this thing. So, yeah, a bunch we'll of like... just like shoot them over to America's Poorly lit sketches with bad audio or they'd set up in a mall and like, do your funniest impression or like show us your belly button upside down. It's fucking awful. It is sub-Nickelodeon yeah. horseshit. And, yeah. I, and I, I can't believe it was on for so long. I, I, I have never been this angry going through a show, and I couldn't stop. <laughs> um, we also have a TV movie out this week, if you're not into America's Funniest People, um, which, because I researched it, was initially aired as America's Funniest Part 2, because mm. that's not a confusing title, because uh, yeah. it came on after America's Funniest Home Videos. Uh, NBC TV movie, People Like Us, starring Ben Gazzara, Connie Salisi, and, and, and Dennis Farina. Yeah. Remember Connie Selica? No, Selica, my bad. What would you do if your daughter was murdered? If I'd only done something, Becky might still be alive. And the killer was stalking your friends and your family. I promise you, it's not over. What would you do? I'd kill him. What? You got to see this montage, people. Look up this YouTube yeah. video. A it's of, a real montage. A lot of but boats yeah, and shotguns. This is a uh, TV movie that's based on a novel written by Dominic Dunn, who is, uh, you know, a very famous celebrity journalist and crime journalist. And it kind of mirrors his own life and wherein his uh, Dominic Dunn's daughter was murdered by a abusive ex-boyfriend who had stalked her and murdered her. And so he wrote a book and then became a movie. So I thought it was interesting. I, I always find Dominic Dunn and his whole life very fascinating. So Oh, it is all kinds of crazy. Every mm-hmm. single story is completely nuts because, like, he was a TV producer. He was a movie producer. He just mm-hmm. ran all over the place. Like, he's, oh, my God. He wrote so at- many books. And it's like, he still had stories that yeah. we'll never get to hear about. And he was just, like, nuts. lived this very wealthy, very kind of socialite life. And then when his daughter was murdered... Um, she's trying to be an actress, and uh, when she was murdered, he kind of turned his life to crime reporting. And so he was like writing dispatches for major publications. I remember reading his column in Vanity Fair forever, mm-hmm. but he was writing like big dispatches for the O.J. Simpson trial, like any celebrity trial that happened, he was covering it and doing it in a way that was like very unique because he probably knew most of the people involved too, because he just yeah. knew everybody. And you know, I think is it his. Nephew is Dominic Dunn. I mean, excuse me, um, Griffin Dunn. I think. I think his his son. His daughter was uh, Dominique Dunn. Uh, She's the teenage girl in Poltergeist. Right. And then his his sister then is Joan Didion. Right. Yes. Yes, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Fun family. 
<laughs> you know, there's like one yeah. guy who fixes refrigerators in that family. Yeah. And he, I don't think he ever shows up for Thanksgiving. It's just too intimidating. They sound like uh, big, big fixtures of Midtown Manhattan parties. I, I don't know who these people are. But uh, <laughs> I, but I don't, have, I don't have to segue anything because there are like a no games of note this week. Sometimes I will dig deeper for the Patreon show, but I don't want to bore the listeners and my lady friends. I want to keep it to people who like games. But we'll get into like the arcade games and NES stuff, like we did this week. I can only, yeah, we have a clip for you in the break. Uh, but Patreon dot com slash Laser Time five bucks. You get a bunch of bonus content, over a hundred movie commentaries. Uh, sick of Star Wars and way more in depth in the games with the boys from Video Game Apocalypse. Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Pars, and Maddie Allen. Uh, music of 1990, uh, May 8th through the 14th. Nothing compares to you by Sinead O'Connor is still number one. And, Take uh, yeah. that, Dice. Yeah, Dice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it hurts to see you succeed. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too. I should look up. At what point did he get banned from MTV? Uh, from the, so you the, have to be pretty bad. The movie awards or the music awards? Mm, he did yeah, a, I want to say. It's it was a, one of those. Yeah. He did a stand-up. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, you know... Fuck you. Like, what? you can edit. Was this live? What are you doing? Mm. And it's also dice. Yeah, some of those. Um, yeah. It's also dice. And you're also cable. Grow up. Um, that I is don't true. Know. I don't know. Something about the dice character, because I wasn't really into it or like knew about it. I was too young. But like, I find him hysterical now. His giant, stupid pompadour leather jacket is smoking oh. on stage. Mm-hmm. It's yes, something that it tickles is funny. Me. He is funny now because he is a relic. Or anachronism, you know, it's not. That's not a thing anymore. That's a, that's a type of band that doesn't really exist anymore. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it funny. Well, I, I, yeah, I don't think I, in '90 that was the same thing. I think I, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, this is like he's just like a guy off the street, and like, yeah, he is like a guy off the street, and this is not yeah. something I want to subject. I don't want to pay fifty dollars to see a guy on the street talk about my ass at Madison Square Garden. Uh, <laughs> and music releases heading into that, the revival by Tony. Tony, Tony. And I didn't say that right because there are exclamation points after Tony with a Y, Tony with an I, and Tony with an E. Uh, Tattooed Millionaire by Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden. He's got an album out. Um, uh, Packed by the Pretenders and Wilson Phillips' self-titled debut, which will spawn three number one songs. O-M-G. Hold on. It's like... (laughs) Is there a person out there who does not like that song? Literally every person who identifies as female that I've ever spoken to loves that song. It's for men too. I just, yeah. I just watched Harold and Kumar and they, they had quite a, they, they sang it together. And it's so good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those like power ballad songs. It's like, even though you don't like it, you do. Yeah. Well, that's there's a I part feel. where the music like goes out for a second, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know what that's called, but that feels very powerful when you're singing it. Mm. That's when I take a yeah. sip on the karaoke stage. My two, <laughs> my two, female cousins and I, we would sit on my grandparents' dock and pretend we were singing that song, just like in the music video where they're sitting on a rock on the beach. (laughs) It was like the coolest thing I ever saw when I I was that age. Things are so simple. But we're not going to close out with that because I'm going to guess, Di, that these songs are going to be number one for a long time throughout the the rest of the year. You get to talk about this album a couple times, Mm -hmm. so... I mean, I guess we could go with a deep cut, but I'd rather go with no. the Tony, Tony, Tony song. I love yeah. it. Which is a song that gets stuck in my head, and it took me a while to research. Why Why is this song back in my head again? I know why. Oh. 
fucking Rick, Rick and Morty. Morty. That's why. Rick and Morty got it back in my head. Rick and Morty, who steal music from all the best places. I, we were watching Sopranos in the fourth episode. Like, oh, that's the... They stole the heartfelt... For their heartfelt episode, and they bury their own bodies. That's from the Sopranos. Um, that closed out the same show. And uh, this is also... It also, I think, gets stuck in your head because they do something weird with it on Rick and Morty. They loop it over and mm-hmm. over again. So it's yeah. it's just the feels good part, and I, I even like like check <laughs> double check to like see the difference. Like no, the song doesn't sound like it does in the show. They loop the intro for a long time. Uh, <laughs> feels good by Tony 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 will take us out, but stay right there, people, because there's so much fun shit to talk about in 2000. Coming into 2000 with Hanson, this time around off their second album. Yeah, they're not just a flash in the pan. Hanson's here to stay. Welcome to 2000, Hanson's everyone. great. Are they? I don't know. I, yes, I guess probably. I might not be into it is what I'm saying. That's and, fine. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, I mean, looking through songs off this album, was like, oh, you know, a couple of these, like, eh, this isn't bad. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, It's not Bob or nothing. It's just fine. Mm-hmm. And that video, by the way, my favorite piece of trivia, that stupid car they're riding around in, is the same car Sandra Bullock pulls up to the, the, the like, breaks down before she gets on the bus in speed. It's the exact same car. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, you'll recognize it when you see it, uh, 90s fans. Uh, welcome to 2000, May 8th, 8th through the 4th. A little bit of music to bring you in with, uh, including I Want to Be With You, a new album by Mandy Moore, who no longer makes albums. <laughs> the new American. No, she just, she was about to do a comeback tour until COVID-19 took that out. Oh, she was? Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, she's doing great. I really thought she had porn star written all over, but look at her go. Uh, she's the, doing great. The New America by Bad Religion, Smile by the Jayhawks, and the ABBA Generation by the A-Teens is also out this oh, week. What? What? I hate this album so much. This should not exist, and it needs to be killed. I don't know. What I, is it? It's it's Kids Bop ABBA edition, pretty much. Oh, it's goodness. just... Why? They're just covers of ABBA songs, but but they're like super faithful. So it's like, why would you bother doing that? Just listen to the ABBA song. Yeah, ABBA is already change anything. Kids, you didn't yeah. do anything. It's just higher pitch now. You just made ABBA higher pitch. That's all you did. Yeah. No, I don't like. Oh, so bad. That does not make sense. Uh, and of course, Maria 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 by Santana is still fucking number one, and we don't want to talk <sighs> about it anymore. Ten than weeks. That. Ten weeks yep. smooth was 12 wow. why does everyone still hate smooth and doesn't hate maria maria agree agree because smooth was a fucking cockroach of a song it never left man it was fucking horrible smooth is still better than maria maria and we will yes. have this conversation till the end of time <laughs> yes. uh on the, the little bit of news to bring you in uh people magazine's most beautiful people uh rank julia roberts number one for the second time and yeah keep saying that's like what a how come I haven't seen Julia Roberts in like six years? Where and I'm like, oh, she's on a show on Amazon. I'm like that explains it. That's, there you go. <laughs> I'm not going to see that there. 
Uh, Gladiator is still number one at the box office in 2000, but May 8th to the 14th in movies. There's a bunch of new stuff to talk about, including this is one of the most bizarre weeks for movies ever, I think, because <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think I don't, really. It's a grab bag. It is a full grab bag. This movie is fun. This next one, uh, the Jamie Foxx movie, is fun. Mm -hmm. It. I just. I can't imagine this got a theatrical release of any kind because this is a. It got a small one. Did yeah. it? It's it's from the from Trimark Studios, the makers of Leprechaun. Jamie Foxx is held up uh, with Jake Busey. I'm trying to find all the names I recognize: Sarah Paulson, uh, Nia Long, Barry Corbin. But but yeah, basically, Bad Day gets stuck in a hostage situation, and Jamie Foxx is. This is like my favorite period of Jamie Foxx. He's <laughs> he, he's not all serious acty but he's like clearly like oh this in living color guy can do a lot of shit and yeah, yeah. uh he gets to be he gets to be a leading man in, in like in you know uh, kind of middle of the road comedy like held up but I, I saw it on cable so many times for some reason also out this week Bo Bridges <laughs> Olivia Newton-John Bonnie Bedelia Delta Burke and Sorted Lives does this movie even exist <laughs> not only does it exist it ties into last week because this is the follow-up from the guy who made Daddy's Dying Who Got the Will Oh, wow. Okay. It's kind of a gay camp classic, so much so that Logo made a series out of it a couple <laughs> of years ago that went one season. Oh. Um, but it is uh, little and cheap and quirky. Sorted Again. lives, everyone. How's Taz? He's still out in Los Angeles. Uh huh. I'm an actor and I'm gay. He started doing theater, so awful stuff. My grandmother died yesterday. I do not want to go back down to the funeral. You know, it's Texas. I have enough on my mind without you bringing up Brother Boy. Your mama died. What? Hey. Where did this premiere, and why is it 60 frames a second? And <laughs> That part I'm not sure about. What? Uh, yeah, and why is Leslie Jordan in so much drag? I, I don't know. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know why. Yeah, it looks like I kept trying to see. Wait, is this the TV show? Because it, it looks like a, a Mexican soap opera, like it's too many right. frames a second, or it's like I, I haven't changed, I haven't fixed the settings on my digital TV yet. <laughs> That's but called an much... interpolation, Diana. And Tom Cruise, yeah, it's the only thing Tom Cruise cares about. <laughs> it's his only right. charity. <laughs> yeah, turn off the motion smoothing. No interpolation, people. We worked very hard on these twenty-four frames in a second. We don't need Samsung adding anymore. Thank you, Tom yeah. Cruise. But uh, much like Daddy Stein, who's got the will, it's uh, grandma, grandma dies, and then all the wacky Texas folks get back together. Wackiness ensues. Uh, she died having an affair with Bo Bridges, who was much younger, and died by tripping over his fake legs that he had taken off while they were in bed. <laughs> it's stuff like that. Oh, the Korean War <laughs> created so, so much comedy. Wait, uh, and you said Leslie Jordan is in this as well? Yeah, Leslie oh. Jordan mm -hmm. is uh, as a drag performer. Okay. And he's just such an adorable little imp man. Uh, if you're not following him on Instagram and Twitter, you are losing out okay. because he is posting little talking to camera videos every day where he tells stories from his childhood growing up in the South. And it is fucking delightful. It's so good. <laughs> so find his Instagram. It'll make your day. Mm, yeah. So after last week, I did have some people tell me that uh, Daddy's died and who's got the wills got is a lot of fun. And Considering Sorted Lives is sort of a, a beloved little gay camp classic, then, uh, okay, I think i got to watch both now. Yeah, that sounds right. Yep, I'm good with that. Again, I love it when Southern people get all flustered with each other and 
someone at some point has to say, how could you? Yeah. yeah. It's not that entertaining yeah. when you live there, Time. Um. No, exactly. <laughs> I like to, I yeah. like to visit. Buy a TV and movies. Stay the hell away. And uh, so the three giant releases are so strange because, like, the ones I think most people would have bet on to break the bank, none of them were center stage, which I think ended up finding its audience and living a a little better legacy. Oh, yeah. uh, With Peter Gallagher, Susan May Pratt, Zoe Saldana, and Amanda Scholl, center stage. Her technique isn't great. But look at her. At the toughest dance academy in the world, she didn't fit in. Hey! In love... She was naive. Do you think I'm an idiot for getting involved with him? Until she asked herself, What about what I want? And showed everyone what she was made of. You're not here by mistake. The best dancer I can be is just me. She's fantastic. Center stage, rated PG 13. Am I crazy? Did this okay. like live on in spinoffs or a TV show or sequels? No. No. Um, but it definitely got. It was very well received in one major way and that is for most dance movies they hire actors and then teach them how to dance or they fake it in this one (laughs) most of the dancers most of the actors are actual classically trained dancers which makes some of the acting a little bit eh, (laughs) not great but the dancing is fantastic so i've seen this movie a million times i saw it in the theaters i grew up going to dance class every single day after school. So this movie was a big, big, big deal for me. (laughs) I (laughs) loved it so much. And it's just a story of, you know, these young dancers start at a, the American Ballet Academy, which is a very, you know, in the movie, a very prestigious, it's supposed to be American Ballet Theater, I think. We know, Sarah. Um, (laughs) But it's, and, and one of them is like, very uptight and of course she has bulimia and so she needs to learn how to let her hair down and not have bulimia and then the other one (laughs) a tough talking girl who like doesn't take well to instruction that's Zoe Saldana and then the other one is Amanda Schull and she's just an innocent from small town USA and she doesn't have great technique but she's got heart and then she gets seduced by the bad boy dancer who's like really good Meanwhile, the nice guy dancer is, like, making puppy eyes at her the whole time. I love Mm -hmm. this fucking movie. (laughs) Yeah. So I know because last week you said, I can't wait to talk about this. And I got this all confused with Save the Last Dance. And um, there's another other one. So it's like, okay, well, which one's this? I'll watch it so someone can talk about it, too. You have a conversation. And what I was expecting was once we got through the setup, I was like, oh, this is Three Girls Go to the City. Mm -hmm. I've I've seen this movie a million times. The end of this uh, someone's going to come out, you know, damaged but wiser. Someone's going to uh, lose horribly, and someone's going to die. It's going to be a cautionary tale. It's Valley of the Dolls. It's the best of everything. And I was pleasantly surprised by some of the choices that it made instead. Mm-hmm. In that, you know, the one who seems like a total bitch, she ends up like growing as a person. It's not that she's a total bitch. You know, she's she's okay. She's mm-hmm. a good person too, and she grows. And is friendly and yay! It's not just like she's evil. Zoe Saldana, I barely recognized her though. I know. I mean, I had to stare. Like, did she get a nose job or something? It's just she looks so freaking young. Mm-hmm. But she's no, a baby. she's just a little baby. That's all. She's a little yeah. baby. Mm-hmm. Who and, likes to chew gum in class, and it's not yeah. okay. And she's oh, she's sassy. She's got attitude. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh boy. Yeah. But then she doesn't have much to do. Overall, 
Like Not she really. kind of, her story kind of gets ignored. She doesn't really have a lot going on. But yeah, I mean the movie is fine, but yeah, the dancing was spectacular. Yeah. It's the it best I've ever really seen. Really impressive. Yeah. And just different styles of dancing too. It's just so good. Uh, if you are a fan of dance and you want to see a dance movie that doesn't actually have a very bad story either, then this is the one to watch for sure. I think it's far, far better than Save the Last Dance, which is mm. a bunch of bullshit because you, you can tell <laughs> that Julia Stiles did not learn how to dance for that movie because you never see her feet and her face in the same frame. Mm. But that's my yeah. rant. Yeah, this no, that, also... that last dance performance, is the, even if you don't want to watch the movie, just watching the, the final dance performance is pretty cool just on YouTube or something because it's like ballet dancers, but there's a lot of like jazz dancing in it mm -hmm. too, mm -hmm. but they're like on point the whole time. It's like, oh shit. It's amazing. And the soundtrack has uh, I Want to Be With You, the Mandy Moore song on it. So I'm sure uh -huh. that's coordinated. This is also the first movie and only movie that I ever got shushed in a movie theater at. Ooh. I went with my best friend, Katie, and we were having such a great time. And we walked in, first of all, and this very old lady was in there with, I guess, her husband or something. And I said, oh, there's no one in here. And then the old lady said, no one but us chickens. I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, my friend and I were like laughing and having a great time and chit-chatting. And then she came over and shushed us and told us we were being very rude. She actually got feel... up to tell you, yes. not just shush loudly from her seat. Yes. Wow. And then I felt so she bad, and then I was like, "Should we apologize to her?" And I never spoke in movie theater again. <laughs> wow. So it worked. Yeah. So there's my boring story about that. Okay. <laughs> you know, we've got another ballet movie that we get to talk about in 2010. Yes. Well, I mean, that I fuck. realized. Oh, no. No, it's when you like Chris because there's uh, chicks kissing in it. Oh, come on. That doesn't do anything Oh, yes, that's right. Oh, also a very intense, very good movie. Very, I'm so excited. very, one of my favorite dance I love it. movies. Or movies about dancers, I'd say. No. It's yeah. coming Kevin up. in 2010. Oh, yeah. I need a rock hard dick if you're going to move my libido an inch. Anyway, uh, <laughs> speaking of Chris's, Chris's, with things Chris digs, this mm -hmm. This movie has the recipe for everything I've ever wanted. I know. The writers and, and yeah. di directors of Ed Wood directing a movie starring Norm MacDonald and Dave Chappelle and Danny DeVito with side performances by Sherman Helmsley, Elaine Stritch, and, and uh, did I say Sarah Silverman? Uh, no, you didn't. Sarah Silverman. And this movie is fucking awful. There's like not – I went through – like I didn't go through the whole thing, but like surely there's a great – Dave Chappelle or Norm Macdonaldism, but how did this mess up my favorite filmmakers with two of my favorite comedians with some of my favorite character actors? This movie sucks, and <laughs> mm -hmm. it is it is been rightfully forgotten. And it's just one of those weird things that, like, whenever any of those people are interviewed anywhere, I will listen. I have never heard any of them bring up this film hmm. ever. Uh, screwed. Norm Macdonald, Dave Chappelle, Danny DeVito, Lane Stritch. Uh, Sherman Helmsley, Sarah, Sarah Silverman, it sucks. She's made them all miserable for 15 years. Who cares? Now, all they want is one thing. We need revenge. What I gotta do? Plan one, kidnap her dog. That she'd pay plenty for that old bag of fleas. Bet she'd pay a million bucks. Nice doggy. Will you shut that dog up? Ah! The snake is in my hand. Ah! 
Plan 2, Kidnap Yourself. Action. Help! Miss Croc! They're going to kill me if you don't pay! Dinner time, dog! Okay, dinner time, dog is a pretty good Chappelle line. <laughs> Makes me giggle. The plot is Norm MacDonald is the chauffeur of an old pie heiress played by Elaine Stritch, and she's a real big, nasty lady. And they concoct a plot to steal her dog and hold it for ransom for a million dollars. It's He's not just bit for comedic reasons. His blood is all over the crime scene. He leaves a ransom note. The dog ends up running out of the car and back into the house. And they believe Norm MacDonald is the human being that has been kidnapped. So he has to hide out <clears throat> and fake ransom plot. Need to talk to Danny. Danny DeVito's mortician is pretty cool because he's got some great makeup here. But fuck, I can't believe how unremarkable this movie is. I really can't. Yeah. It's, and it's the only movie ever directed by uh, Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski, uh, people who wrote shit. People for O.J. Simpson, Ed, Ed Wood, Problem Child, and, uh, of course, My Name is Dolomite. Uh, these, those are all some of my favorite things that have ever existed, and this sucks. Yeah. This sucks. Yeah. I want to hear Dave Chappelle talk shit on it because, like, I... I weirdly just came like I loved I loved Dave Chappelle from the moment I saw him in the early nineties and would go to go to anything he was involved with. They're day one for half big. And he only is in universal movies. Only. Hmm. And I was like, Well, I, obviously there's a contract thing in there, but like and then Dave Chappelle was never in anything. <laughs> But he's only in bad universal comedies, if you include Half-Baked, which I think is wonderful. Undercover Brother is slightly less wonderful, but still wonderful. This is terrible. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't understand either. I refuse to go back and watch it because I remember being so angry at it. Like, yeah. what is wrong? Is it just the timing? Is it so broad? Because I don't like super broad screaming comedy, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of it. I can't even tell you what went wrong. It's I, just I can't bad. either. I, it's like, but I, dude, I whatever the ticket price was for this in two thousand, I'll pay you triple that, and just have Norm Macdonald and Sherman Helmsley do a podcast. I don't care what, <laughs> just let them do whatever they want, and and I'm sure it'll be hilarious. God damn it! This it, it, it's so infuriating. Something like this exists in the past. Hopefully, everyone got a great payday. Uh, yeah. And and man, I don't know how to begin to talk about. Can we say ooh, was this ooh. movie actually number one this week? That can't be. No, no, yeah. Gladiator's still number one. And wow, this released up against Gladiator. Oh my god, it probably thought it was about to take yeah. the summer. Getting in there uh, early with Kim Coates, Force Whitaker, the unforgettable Barry Pepper, and uh, John Travolta in Battlefield Earth. In 3000 AD, a mighty empire and a slave race will engage one last time. Man is an endangered species on Battlefield Earth. Let it be said that we took this one chance and fought! This Friday, prepare for battle. (laughs) This is so ridiculous. Especially they they marketed from one of the best-selling science fiction novels of all time. Yeah, (laughs) if you buy 200,000 to give away at your church every year, I'm sure it's one of the best-selling sci-fi novels of all time. Yeah. Oh, Battlefield like I can't figure out what went wrong with Screwed and why it's not better. I can tell you, I give me 5 hours and I will list every single thing wrong with Battlefield Earth colon A Saga of the Year 3000. Good lord. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, this uh, literally is one of the worst movies of all time and should be seen by everyone in film school so you can learn a uh, uh, 
giant laundry list of things not to fucking do in your movie. I, I've watched Diana. I, I'm sorry. I've watched this four times. I own it on DVD. Mm-hmm. We did a commentary for it on patreon.com slash laser time. I don't remember a fucking thing from this. I think they had a shootout <laughs> in, in an abandoned mall. And for some reason, John yes. Travolta and Forrest Whitaker are slightly taller. But like yeah. <laughs> everything in here is thoroughly forgettable. There are no good set pieces of any kind. No. Well, that's part of the problem is that it's a pretty unoriginal story mm-hmm. from L. Ron Hubbard, who mm-hmm. wrote science fiction badly and also started religions well. And because <laughs> um, it's just so so many like very basic ideas that, yeah, it's very easy to forget. So the story is at some point in the near future, aliens called Cyclos, who are like eight feet tall and have dreadlocks, uh defeat earth in about nine minutes and take over really and you're telling you're telling me a white a white plain. sci-fi author wrote about tall people with dreadlocks taking over society mm, I, and it's bad I'm utterly bad. so humans are like their slaves now and we are like cavemen now it's, now it's a thousand years later in, in the year 3000 oh, <laughs> um barry pepper is this caveman guy who like tries to defeat them and John Travolta is in charge and really grumpy about it. And he's constantly doing political stuff by talking about who he's going to get leverage on. Hmm. Now I have leverage on you Forrest Whitaker. Um, so it, like he takes a bunch of the human man animals and makes them go mine gold for him. And instead of mining the gold, cause gold is valuable even to aliens. <laughs> and uh, instead of mining the gold, they go, like he learns to read because they put him in like an education machine, which teaches him how to read and speak cyclo. And then he like goes to a library and all the books are still there and they're fine. A thousand years from now and reads that, Oh, there's gold in Fort Knox. So let's go steal gold from Fort Knox and give it to them. Pretend we are mining. Meanwhile, we're going to use this flight simulator to learn how to fly jets that are still operable. And we'll use it to destroy the dome they've built over Denver. That's how the cyclos can breathe. (laughs) What? I am not making up any of that. Yeah, it is, Sarah. It is. It is a one gobbledygook. It is. Oof. It is. It, is it fucking sounds ridiculous. like it. Yeah. If you try to list everything that doesn't make sense, your your brain will break. I mean, just it's a thousand years from now, and like all the buildings are still standing, all the paper is fine. The jet simulator has power. <laughs> it's still there. What like have you seen what an abandoned house looks like after ten years? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's is bad. It, is it one of those things where it's supposed to be a metaphor for something? Uh, I'm gonna go with psychiatry. Okay, because Scientology really hates that, and they're called psychos. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, okay, that's my guess. Um, the first time I watched this. I had so much fun because I was over at my friend's house and I was sitting in a uh, chair that was squeaky and every single shot in this is at an angle. Everything is Dutch angles. Right. It le- Everything leans 20 degrees. And so every time one of those came on, I would lean in my chair and it would slowly squeak <laughs> as I leaned over. Like you're busting And I fart. just did that the whole movie. <laughs> so every, every time the shot changed, I go, I, I, there, the only thing, I, one compliment I can give it, I remember like, oh, this forced perspective making these creatures seem that much taller is interesting. And that's it. And that is absolutely it. Yeah. 
there's like three shots with that and the rest of the time it's like oh well they're just wearing like like really tall shoes and i and i, I they're just, just wearing platform shoes oh no the aliens with platform shoes are coming you mean they're lifting yes and, and uh, I, I apparently this exists as a fucking huge vanity project for John Travolta, who was a massive star, and he bet all of his clout on it and lost hard. Based, so he'd been trying to make this for so long. He was supposed to be the young lead in it. Yeah, he wow. based on a promise he, he made to L. Ron Hubbard role. himself, uh, and and just like finally, when Pulp Fiction's a hit, it's like, oh, people are listening to me again. But Travolta's been in this. I didn't know he's been in this camp since he's been in the Scientology camp since before I was born. Yeah. And, and and it's the, like obviously Forrest Whitaker survived. I feel bad for Barry Pepper, who sort of yeah. had to wear this as like a fucking albatross for the rest of his life because he was an well, up and coming guy and maybe yeah. wouldn't have been a big leading man. But like this is what he does out of Saving Private Ryan. And fuck, what an accident. And and we yeah. we never really heard his name. He, he never he was. I never saw him in any as starring in anything again. Maybe 61. No, Crawl. That movie we watched this summer. No, no, but yeah, but he's like a small character in Crawl. Yeah. Mm. But I love Crawl. I love him in Crawl. One of two humans on it. But yeah, yeah, it's great. (laughs) There's more human. There's so many humans get eaten in that movie. (laughs) That that movie is great. (laughs) Remember, reflect fondly upon our old fears. Climate change and (laughs) man-eating alligators. Uh, But this this movie is is fucking abysmal. We did a commentary for it, and I just remember like... All of us like leaning away from the microphone, like, what the fuck is this? Who was supposed yeah. to like this? How did this come out of a major studio? And like, I think when people want to build conspiracy theories about Scientology, that like, yeah, how did they get this close to the building with this thing? And <laughs> and, and let alone get all this money poured into it because it was not inexpensive. This is uh, uh, nope. It was it was thirty million in um in in two thousand, which is not insignificant, but it was given. Oh no, it made thirty million. Oh sorry, it cost more like seventy. Yeah, it's it's oh it's wow, nearing the hundred. It is expensive. I mean, there are giant sets, there are special effects that are not great. There's a lot of people. It's expensive looking. Yeah, there were action but figures, also, it, it looks expensive, but also like just drab. Like there isn't a pretty shot in the thing. Right. Yeah. It's it looks like it all takes place five minutes before a thunderstorm. It's just gray <laughs> and blue and drab. But my God, does Travolta ham it up? He, I don't know what he thought he was doing, but what he was doing was the most remarkable piece of acting I have ever seen. But not in a good way. I. I think it's. Just, I don't know what he thought he was doing because so, he goes so crazy yeah. and so happy. I have conquered galaxies, and I will not be stopped by these man animals. <laughs> I always thought it was because he captured, uh, he captured the libido of my mother's generation that he could kind of get away with being cute and dancey in films. Mm-hmm. And yeah. whenever he branches out of that into non-quiet characters. Everything sucks. He sucks so bad the harder he tries. It's not fun to look at. <laughs> it, it, it's John Travolta. Like, I have no sympathy for him at all. Just because, like, he is an accidental, like, near billionaire. Uh, he... I feel like this is also the beginning of his bad hair journey. <laughs> like, we never really saw him in good hair 
after this yeah. role, I feel like. I don't know what happened. Mm. Maybe the stress made it all fall out. I don't know. I feel bad. I think, I think, well, I know my mother shifted her attention to Liam Neeson. So, like, he, I don't know how he's going to hold up to that. Two of the, one of those bodies holds up way better than the other one. So, there. Whew. But, yeah. Well, I mean, Liam Neeson said racist shit, but he never made a battlefield Earth. So, yeah. he's okay with me, I guess. He said racist shit while saying he regretted thinking racist shit. Yeah. I just want to point that out. Oh, yeah. roast oh him my again. God. This fucking movie. <laughs> it is. I cannot i implore you I mean, don't pay for it whatever you do don't pay for it but it's got to be or even just watch some clips of it on yeah. youtube and you just be like this is a film that cost money that they thought i'd want to pay to watch yeah mm. and no nobody not three minutes goes by that makes any sense whatsoever yeah nobody not three minutes. nobody fucking cared about this at all and like it it just it's it's the most uh, hubris-coded thing I can think of that Scientology thought like, nah, man, Every everybody we talk to loves our shit. Mm-hmm. Loves our shit. So let's put some... Yeah. They, I don't know if, they, if if Scientology money was behind it, but they did pull out the stops to promote the thing. Like, John Travolta mm-hmm. went on like a book tour to like promote this thing uh, to, to small towns and shit. Like, they, they wanted everyone to see this movie. And it's it's genu- it's genuinely disturbing. I would say that, but then I've seen a lot of a lot worse promotion from uh, the the Christian networks when they make a movie. God said you have mm. to buy all the tickets. If there's still any left, you won't go to heaven. Like you fucking yeah. assholes. Casper Van Diem's movie's not that important. It- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tr- I'm sure they. I'm sure they felt really strongly that like, okay, if we start putting out movies based on his, you know, sci-fi stuff, yep. that will make people more interested in in who uh lrh is and and then maybe they'll be interested in scientology maybe they'll send more money to our, ha- our tax haven and maybe we can contract more of their daughters yeah. to work for free in our fucking slave ships those people are weird is what i'm saying <laughs> yeah uh, if, uh problems yeah i feel bad for the director sorta in the end um mm-hmm. he had never directed before he was the second unit director on phantom menace that's kind of how he got the job because here's a shocker tarantino said no Oh wow! <laughs> I, yeah, Travolta I, tried to get sent Tarantino, and Tarantino was like, "Are you shitting me?" Yeah, I, I have to. You have to imagine Tarantino works with a lot of the same people over and over again. Didn't really mm. want to do much with Travolta afterwards. That's mm. fair. But guess what? Knowing that now, there is a universe that exists where Tarantino did direct this film. Oh, stop it! Sarah, the ultimate Ooh. Rick and Morty fan over here. I've been watching a lot of Community. <laughs> <laughs> Um, God damn, yeah, this movie, and that's the thing, Diana. I, I'm only not with you in that, like, dude. I love a great bad movie, but this is so boring. It, it mm-hmm. it's like it doesn't have a lot of those entertaining moments of your rooms or Ed Wood movies. It's just it, it, it's it's well, I don't know, like what do you call it, like well polished failure? Not really. No. I mean, I find it entertaining because it you would just have to stop and ask. Why did that character do that? Mm-hmm. Mm. And the answer is always, I have no fucking idea. And the it's goal- like if you're just following it as you know plot wise, like okay, now I'm gonna take this guy and put him in the machine, and that way, the, in the learning machine, he'll learn how to fly the plane I need him to fly, so I can go get my illegal gold. Like, <laughs> why? Why would you take the guy who's been fighting you and give him more information, including how to stop you? Yeah. Why? 
The, Why would you do that? I think there's a reason this won the Golden Raspberry Awards worst movie of the decade, the whole Amen. decade. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's an easy call for me. Yeah. The cyclos. I wish I was atrocious. Dead. Oh. Uh, amazing. Oh, God damn it. Uh, moving to television 2000, <sighs> May 8th to the 14th. Uh, die here. Hey, you're not done yet because the Eurovision no. Song Contest is on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Denmark's Olsen brothers win with Fly on the Wings of Love. Just Aww. briefly, the Eurovision Song Contest, it's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. Everyone Every, in Europe. All the, show, all the countries in Europe have show them what you got. a song. Yes, for more Rick and Morty fans out there. there every, every country in Europe picks a song, and then the songs compete against each other, and then uh, everyone votes. And, uh, yeah, I, I included a clip in case you wanted to hear Fly on the Wings of Love. You know I do. Of course I do. By Denmark's Olsen Brothers. They don't look how I expected. Sounds like a serious song from Weird Al. Oh, I wish it. No, no. No more. <laughs> Europe yeah. music. Europe no, music it's sung by like two dads. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. It is fun. Good for them. Uh, yeah, good for them. Also on TV this week, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Wing ends. And boy, oh boy, do you wish you had a podcast host who cared about it more because we don't know shit. Uh, the Pretender also ends. And I thought it should have ended when the Caesar haircut did because that's all I remember about <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> uh, damn it. And I meant I should have grabbed Mora on SNL this week. I'm... I didn't. I, I forgot until we started the show, and I just desperately grabbed this clip. Britney Spears is on the show. Is this the hmm. episode where her titties move around? Because that's there's, the one I was going to ask. And but even if it isn't, I'm going to just say it's one of my favorite little sketches from Tracy Morgan, Astronaut Jones, uh, Rocket. <laughs> I'm leaving on a rocket. We love that song. We put it on all our mix CDs, and it has this moment. Or why don't you drop out of that green jumpsuit and show me that fat ass? <laughs> the joke being, it has like a three-minute intro song, and that's like the third line of dialogue, and then it goes back into the intro song. Uh, that, <laughs> I couldn't play the whole thing, but I desperately wanted to. And uh, coupling debuts, and are we talking about the American version or the... No, we are uh, talking about the good version, the British version. Well, I, it, during my, my time, around this time, no, not around this time, years later I was working... Uh, at a British magazine company, whatever you guys all, most of you know what it is. Most comedy nerds like fucking hate this show. They talk about it like friends, like this is the worst show in the world because it's so popular. But uh, I haven't seen it. But it what didn't. The fuck? It didn't do I don't, well. I don't know why they would feel that way. I think it's because it's successful, it's... And, and like most British shows yeah. don't run as long as this did. Yeah, well, four whole seasons. Wow. Oh, wow. Is it really only four? I thought it was at least six. <laughs> Four seasons, there's 30 episodes. <laughs> wow. Wow. No, I mean, I can understand why, definitely comparing it to Friends, because yeah. it's about, you know, six young, attractive people, um, three guys and three girls. But it's like if you combine Friends with a more, if you combine Friends with Sex in the City and Seinfeld, Ooh. because it would have the very like recursive plots like Seinfeld had where things that are set up at the beginning end up coming back around in completely insane ways. Mm. Early on in an episode, a character is talking to this like hot Israeli lady and thinks he learned her name, but she actually said, Hey, are you looking at my breasts? Mm. And then by the end of the episode, there's going to be something about him 
running around the airport yelling her name and getting tackled by Israeli soldiers. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, also, it's created by and, and mostly written by uh, Stephen Moffat, the guy who oh. does everything now. Sherlock? Re- Sherlock. Uh, Doctor Who? See, do- reboot Doctor Who, that crazy Dracula series that's on Netflix, which is so fucking weird. I have not yeah. seen it yet. Yeah, I feel like if like if you want s- sexy, attractive people in Seinfeld having sex all the time, mm-hmm. Coupling's a show for you. <laughs> okay. Well, and then I am sold. They tried to make an American version mm-hmm. and even like using the same scripts and it just sucked. Mm. It just died hard and fast. Well, I do remember that. I remember the American version it not being received well. No. And if, well, if you know me, I wasn't watching any of that this week because my Christian values would not allow it. I was mm-hmm. too busy setting every TiVo in the county to, <laughs> to Jeremy Sisto, Jacqueline Bissett, Deborah Messing, Gary Oldman, and Jesus. <laughs> yep. Jeremy Sisto as, as Jesus. Jesus. Oh, my yeah. God. So funny to me. Yeah. And Deborah Messing as Mary Magdalene is also extremely oh funny God. to me. <laughs> this feels like a 30 Rock movie. Honestly. <laughs> it <laughs> it, like it looks like one. Now, I think yeah. we talked about this in ni- in December 99 for when it was actually released in Europe as a real movie. Oh, right. But then it comes to the U.S. as a two-part i think tv movie tv movie yeah and yeah with super blow-dry jesus when you know when you know jeremy sisto as brenda's brother from six feet under it is very hard to take him seriously as jesus wait gw bailey is in this that's right i didn't want to say anything i don't want to i don't want to get too excited and derailed ah from mannequin and police academy the very same i have no idea who diana's talking about that's the joke oh you 100 percent do take one look at him is he the guy who screams at mahoney yeah okay i got him everyone does short circuit got it uh jesus everyone we oh thank god we have a clip literally his birth changed the way time is measured i am with you (laughs) until the end of the world his life changed the destiny of billions rise up and walk his death changed the course of history that's why i was born to die this may cbs presents the first great miniseries event of the new millennium i have to give everything Gary Oldman, Jacqueline Bissett, Deborah Messing, and Jeremy Sisto. Jesus, CBS Sunday, May fourteenth. It's just when when they say his birth changed the way time was measured. <laughs> I had to take a second and say, "It's true." Well, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I, I guess unless you're on the Islamic calendar yeah. or on the Chinese one. There was a great Louis C.K. bit about that. Like, uh, yeah, Christian, you know, Christianity has beat you when you have to plan things on 9-11 time after Christ. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to repeat that joke, but uh, Jesus is out. And I'm sorry, this just looks ridiculous. It looks ridiculous. Dude, I guess it's Easter, huh? Yeah. Gonna, we got to bust out I think, they, I think they were a little worried about the heat coming off of Battlefield Earth. Uh, trying to take, sure. take some of their Christ love away from them. Uh, yeah. Got to put Screw it. it. Up go there. watch Coupling. I'm gonna go watch it again. <laughs> or video games of 2000. Hopefully, Matt or Mike will have more to say about this because I found it pretty boring. But it is the beginning of Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. There had been Tom Clancy games before, uh, but it, it Rainbow Six. I think we on the show we discussed that the book came out like a couple years ago. Tom Clancy was, I think, pretty involved in the creation of the story at least. Uh, but it's a huge, huge hit, and, and and it's still an ongoing series. 
Philadelphia Siege players. Uh, but yes, Tom Clancy, a man who's been dead for years but has his name on video games to this day. You've got a chance by Bad Religion. We're going to go out with that, and we will leave the 2000s. But people, stay right there, because the 2010s has something even weirder to talk about on SNL. If <laughs> that can happen. And all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of May 8th through 14th, oh, it's a busy week in 1945 because May 8th, 1945 is VE Day, victory in Europe. Let's get Churchill and the King out on the balcony because, yeah, fucking Germany is fucking giving up. And then we're going to send all our dudes into the Pacific and um, the bloodbath will continue for a while. But yay! fucking Nazis lost, so happy 75th anniversary of that. Eh. And then the same week, we have... I don't. I feel like I don't get to recommend enough comedies, so I'm going to recommend uh, a real fun, light comedy from 1945. Blythe Spirit, directed by David Lean, from the Noel Coward play. It's... I, I try to figure out exactly how do I explain it. It's old-timey Beetlejuice. Yes, there is an old-timey Beetlejuice made by David Lean, the guy who did, like, Dr. Zhivago and Lawrence of Arabia and Bridge on the River Kwai. Like, he's known for these big epics, but he, he also did a, a fair number of smaller movies. He did a nice version of Great Expectations and uh, Blythe Spirit, which stars Rex Harrison and Constance Cummings. And it's about this guy who, like, holds a seance in his house and his dead wife shows up and then she won't, like, leave him alone. So she just gets, like, perpetually annoyed by the ghost of his dead wife uh, and he keeps trying to like get rid of her and she just like refuses like nope you're coming with me and he's like but I don't want to and then like other ghosts show up yeah I, I would not be surprised if Beetlejuice took some inspiration from it but it's very light and fun and exceptionally British and uh, it finally got uh, restored and got like a minor re-release in 2008 so it is now finally available on Blu-ray, all cleaned up nice. It's it's in, I mean, it's in color, but it's Britain during World War II while they're making it. So they're throwing a lot of money at the Technicolor and the, the visual effects, which now just seem eh to us. But considering they were under rationing and would be under rationing for another 10 years, it's very impressive. So that's my recommend. A nice, light, fun one, kind of a date night movie, Blood Spirit from 1945. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming into 2010 with I Rock by Open Mike Eagle off his debut album, Unapo Unapologetic Art Rap. Welcome. It's a to fun video, too. I'd never seen the video before. Mm -hmm. I like this video. 
Uh, right? it's, it's him doing a slide presentation about, like, I still have a fucking day job, but I can still rock the mic, and that's why I rock. <laughs> uh, welcome to 2010, everyone. Uh, May 8th through the 14th. New music releases. We got Exhibit B, uh, The Human Condition by Exodus. Total Life Forever by Foles. Night Train by Keen. High Violet by The National. Tear Down the World by We Are the Fallen. The Powerless Rise by As I Lay Dying. Sea of Cowards by The Dead Weather and The Flesh Tones by Keels. Damn it, I was could have got through this whole thing pronouncing everything correctly. And then Kalis. 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 Milkshake nothing by B.O.B. Oh, okay. Nothing by B.O.B. Featuring Bruno Mars is still number one out there. Welcome to 2010, everyone. It is... Strangely, much better than where we are right now. Because uh, <laughs> Iron Man 2 is still number one at the box office, and that seems a lot less important than it used to. Uh, movies of 2010, May 8th to the 14th. Another bizarre assemblage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my lord. Was Vincent Gallo allowed to make another movie after Brown Bunny? You'd think no, but he's allowed to be a voice actor in a weird, trippy European animated film called Matroipa. Matroipa. With a it's, lot of SARS guards and Juliet Lewis. Yep. All the skies, guys in the sky. <laughs> and uh, tra- Trash Humpers, a Harmony Corinne joint that's guaranteed to entertain the family. Uh, oh, yeah. Especially with a title like that. And it's just like him and his buddies being gross and weird. Yeah. Pass. Sh- it's shot on VHS. What? Just to make it even more uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. uh, you also have Ari Brown with Michael Kine and Emily Mortimer. <laughs> Jack O'Connell, Liam Cunningham, Ben Drew. Never heard of it. Uh, didn't get much of a U.S. release, but Michael Caine was talked up for awards time because he's, he's very good in it. And it's weird because it's almost like he's going back to get Carter sort of situation. And that oh. he's like an old dude who lives in what in America we would call the projects. There's council flats. And there's all kinds of crime, and he starts going a bit Death Wish on them. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I did. I did remember That's, this because it was a return, I return to get Carter uh, kind of Michael Caine period. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, but I mean, but he's old Michael Caine, not like young, frightening Michael Caine. Michael Caine and Get Carter is so movie fucking bad. Fucking rules! It is awesome, and everyone should see it. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I can say the same for just right because I, the title enrages me, but because it's spelled with a W, the right. Queen Latifah, Common, Paula, uh, Paula Patton, just right. <laughs> Leslie Wright always cheered from the sidelines, but when she met the NBA's biggest star, red and blue runs through my veins. Sound like me? You got plans Saturday night? <laughs> she got into the game. <laughs> Funny, smart. How about dinner someplace nice? You better be packing something in that wallet. I'm not one of those salad eating chicks. Just right. Rated PG. In theaters May 14th. <laughs> oh, I love a woman who threatens to eat me broke. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's it's a sports rom com. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, we're calling to NBA player, and I think Paula Patton's Queen Latifah's sister, who just wants to be a basketball wife. And hmm. but then like he has more in common with Queen Latifah, and then they like hook up and oh cuteness. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also this week, letters to Juliet, Amanda Seyfried, uh, Vanessa Redgrave, Gail Garcia Bernal, uh, Christopher Egan. I have not heard of this either. Ugh. In the city where Romeo met Juliet, oh, Sophie oh. found a letter lost in time. I have to write back. That will take her on a journey she never imagined. You've come to find your lost love. Charlie doesn't approve, which makes this all the more fun. <laughs> on May 14th. Do you think he's out there? 
Yeah. What if you had a second chance to find true love? It's never too late to follow your heart. Letters to Juliet. Yuck. Why did Ooh. I have to watch that? Oh. I feel like I might have seen this and I did. don't remember anything about it except for it was probably pretty bad. Yes. It's, it's trying so hard to be Nicholas Sparks. Yeah. Um, oh. Which just <laughs> makes me feel sad. I mean, but why? Also, the idea that Romeo and Juliet are we're supposed to treat them like real people and we're supposed to ask her for advice. She's 13 and an idiot. They're two idiots. <laughs> That's the point. Those are two dum-dums. Yeah, but Don't I mean, like. if, if you're a, an old dweeb like me, I guess you appreciate that Vanessa Redgrave is here and she's looking for her long-lost boyfriend who's Franco Nero. And um, presumably they go on Western adventures together or to Camelot. Either or. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Speaking of old timey English legends, uh, but yeah, uh, let's let's move that aside uh, so we can talk about failure. Let's talk <laughs> about fucking failure this week. Yeah, it is a theme of this show. Because remember who we talked about Gladiator? What last week? Yeah, last week? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So hey, we're getting the band back together. Ridley Scott and Russell Crowe reunite along with Max, Max von Sydow, Mark Strong, Kate Blanchett, Mark Addy in Robin Hood. What we ask for is liberty by law. For the crimes of incitement to cause unrest, I declare him to be an outlaw, (laughs) to be hunted all the days of his life. God, is this fucking dumb. Oh, Oscar Isaac, when you want to eat that scenery, girl, (laughs) that scenery. This fucking sucks, dude. I was so. This sucks. I was so disappointed. Because just like, I don't know, you feel like uh, nowadays I think Hollywood's a little okay with taking chances, at least with like streaming services. But like this started out as a neat idea and then just Mm -hmm. got fucking executived into something stupid. And, yeah, and and I think everyone's review of it is like it's the same story with more violence and better shot. There's nothing to love about this at all. Terrible dialogue. It's it's the same. It's the same story, but slow as hell. Yeah. Uh, and I mean the action is good because Ridley Scott knows what he's doing. With yes, that, but, but but also drab because they shot in the real Sherwood forest. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, oh. No, you have to shoot in a brighter forest that feels like something I could live in while I'm uh, escaping from society. Shoot in ET's forest. Yes. That's my favorite place. Mere woods. Shoot up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. Why not? They have sequoias in England now. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, this started as a Sheriff of Nottingham revisionist version where mm. it was going to be where the Sheriff of Nottingham is more of a good guy and Robin Hood is more of a bad guy. And it was going to be about him like being torn between all these issues and what to do. Yeah. The, and the, then the, the, it got rewritten. It, then it, it got rewritten again. There then was, there was the writer strike. Then there was the screen actor strike. And it went through so many drafts that it ended up just being. There was a, they're there was trying a, to revision it with the history. I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off so much, Chris. They're, they tried to make it revisionist, like with uh, adding in some of the real history stuff, and they just made it boring. Yeah, mm. there was a, a bidding war over a script called Nottingham that was about the, the the conflicted sheriff who has to take over as the sheriff for the Mad King, the phony King of England, Prince John, 
and about how Robin has a giant thorn is in his side and he's trying to do the right thing. I'm like, oh, that could be interesting. Like a sympathetic look at the sheriff of Nottingham. And like the studio outbid Ridley Scott himself, so he had to align with the studio. And somehow the game of telephone over like five years of fucking rewrites, it became Russell Crowe was Robin Hood. And like, who cares about that? The, the yeah. whole point, the whole reason you bid on this thing was because it was a different take on Robin Hood. And, and instead you get this and this long drawn out like fucking dead orgasm that it's like makes me <laughs> sick to my stomach. I fucking hate this movie. Yeah, I, I hate it too because so much of it is playing like it's a prequel, but it's mm-hmm. also most of the story that we already know. And then it ends with like, and this is how the legend began. Are you, like, are you treating us like but we you didn't? But to- you just told me the story. This is not really a prequel. You just. You settled it. It's we saw done. Prince of Thieves. You can't have more Robin Hood story than in that fucking awful Kevin Costner movie, which is at least watchable in its awfulness. It is, it, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, yeah. man. I cannot believe a bunch of fucking reused Disney art and some foxes has made the most interesting version of this since Errol Flynn. I really wish they'd stop because it, it tends to embarrass everyone when you make a version of Robin it's Hood. It's one of those mystery, like, IPs that mm-hmm. just like we cannot figure out how to do it. Yeah. Like they just can't figure out how to do it. Why? Yeah. I just don't understand. We talked about this like a couple weeks ago, but yeah. Well, I feel I like it's been it. like b- between the Disney version and Errol Flynn, which is the Disney is just a really a remake of that. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's it's been covered, and there's only the only reason to do it again is to do something different, wildly mm-hmm. different. And this movie wildly just different. fucking and that's bailed why on I, its own idea. I, I, I kind of want to go back to the classic corner right now and recommend Robin and Marion with Sean Connery and Audrey yeah. Hepburn. That is a great revisionist version. That's like hmm. after all that, that stuff is all 20 years ago. Robin goes off on the crusades with the, with King Richard and then comes back. And that actually does have a sympathetic sheriff of Nottingham where it's like, he's kind of sympathetic, but kind of not. And it's Robert Shaw and he's fucking always awesome. Yeah. Quint, Quint from Shaw's everybody. And <laughs> Like, that's a different take, you know, where it's more about trying to, like, recapture the glory days and getting the band back together and how that doesn't work out so well. Like, do something like that. And this is just dumb, Do something different. Dumb battle sequences. And, like, it's like, did you just forget the only Robin Hoods people like are the ones who are fun and smile and commit to acts of subterfuge and disguises and do silly yeah. things. They don't just run at the fucking soldiers with swords. It's so boring. That's a good it, point. It, Robin Hood is, it has to have fun in it as yeah. a story. The point is that yeah. it's fun. He, the, his merry it's men clever. are off, yeah, tricking bad guys and, yeah. and giving the stuff to the poor. And this is about, yeah, how much it sucks We're to warriors! all the time. Ah, my men go! Like, fuck off. You can do that in any movie. Why didn't you just call it anything else? And you paid all this money for this concept that now no one else can make. It, like, <laughs> you fucking assholes. I hate, I hate <laughs> stories like this. I really do. And that's why yeah. I always say Ridley Scott movies are movies you calibrate uh, against good movies to figure out what good movies are. It's how you set your set your quality watch because all his movies fucking suck. You do always and say that. I fucking hate that, you dude. You say it so much, it's like, really? 
I'm gonna put it on a pillow for you. I fucking hate. I just because I've loved so many things he's done, but like I fucking couldn't stand this, and and, mm-hmm. and, just, and just livid that it came together like this, and just livid that we made Russell Crowe a movie star, and <laughs> Ridley Scott has cloud of any kind, and is allowed to ruin yeah. his Alien series. It makes me. I am not a fan. Yeah, fucking fucking pisses. But he me created off. the Alien series. If yeah. anyone should ruin it, it's him. Well, I, I I happen to like what Dennis What's His Nuts did with fucking Blade Runner, and like, thank God, really Scott didn't that do this. That is true. God, I love that movie so much. And yes, as Michael said, his name sounds like it's being scattered, and let's always hold that against him. And and Roger Ebert, just a quote on the wiki from what he said: "Little by little, innocence and joy are being drained out of movies." <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> About this fucking Robin Hood adaptation. Just wow. pointless. Pointless. Oh, yep. God damn it. It's just like, even like, uh, whatever. Like, th- that's a solid concept, the Sheriff of Nottingham. Because you get like a mm-hmm. unbiased party who's caught between both sides. Looking at the plight of like bo- uh, the people and like the fucking, uh, what do you call them? Middlemen weasels uh, who, have mm. to, who have to appease leaders of... Prince John and Robin Hood. And it's just, that should have been so interesting. And it's just like nowadays with social media, like, oh, that's an interesting trailer you can hear people say. And then like this would trailer would come out. Like everyone who, do you remember we had a Robin Hood movie like last year, two years ago? Yes. And like was also a spectacular bomb and a fucking laughing stock. The one with Jamie Foxx, right? Yes. It's just astonishing. That was last year. That was like in the fall. Yeah. Good yeah, it, this th- like let this go, and the idea of Disney remaking a fucking CG Fox movie, oh my god, just makes me fucking sick. It makes me sick. Oh, Ew. bring me back Betty White's television of 2010, May 8th to the 14th. Uh, yet, like not unlike the Andrew Dice Clay thing, and less like the Britney Spears thing, but but a truly newsworthy moment in SNL's history, in that. They listen to critics. They're notorious for not doing that up until semi-recently. Uh, they won't cast who you want to be cast. They won't fire who you want fired. Uh, they won't invite hosts who you want to host. And they won't. But a, a fan campaign online on Facebook got Betty White to host SNL, making her the yeah. oldest Saturday Night Live host of that's ever happened, and she mm-hmm. won an Emmy for it. And yeah. I, I don't know. I can't call the episode that strong. Um, it was a Mother's Day episode, so like a ton of people came back to do sketches, like Maya Rudolph and Tina Fey. Um, but her monologue fucking murdered. And I encourage you to <laughs> I, I I encourage you to go listen to the whole thing. I wanted to play you the whole thing. I cut it down into a shorter clip just for the nature of our our time, but like this was this to me was fucking hysterical and incredibly surreal in this day and age that Betty White is on stage thanking Facebook. Um, <laughs> but uh, I thought she was hilarious and wonderful jokes at her at the expense of her being old. I just can't believe I am hosting Saturday Night Live. I, I'm not sure you, many of you know that I'm I'm 88 and a half years old. So it's well, it's great to be here for a number of reasons. <laughs> you know, I have. So many people to thank for being here, but I really have to thank Facebook. (laughs) When I first heard about the campaign to get me to host Saturday Night Live, I didn't know what Facebook was. (laughs) And now that I do know what it is, 
I have to say, it sounds like a huge waste of time. <laughs> that people on it are losers. <laughs> but that's only because I'm polite. <laughs> we didn't have Facebook when I was growing up. We had phone book, but you wouldn't waste an afternoon on it. <laughs> Facebook just sounds like a drag. In my day, seeing pictures of people's vacations was considered a punishment. <laughs> and when we were kids, we didn't say we were single. We were just kids. It was weird if you weren't single. <laughs> yes, we had poking, but it wasn't something you did on a computer. <laughs> it, was, it was something you did on a hayride. <laughs> God damn. Like, there's, That's she, pretty good. She has like so many solid jokes in here. And yes, I know she's not writing them all, but it's just incredibly entertaining. And there's, uh, I believe on YouTube, she joins Keenan Thompson for an interesting scared straight clip. Uh, yes, yeah, she's one of the prisoners intimidating young people. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, oh, it gets weirder God. than that. Uh, also on TV this week. Wait, remember, <sighs> she's making jokes about how freaking old she is. And that was yeah. 10 years ago. I know. Yeah. Our girl is 98 and a half. And oh my God, if anything happens to her, I riot. You cannot say that because something is bound to happen to her. No, she has to make it to 100 at least. She has to make it okay. to 100. I will far. start flipping cars by myself. Got to finish I this marathon, care. Betty. Come on, this way. Got to do it. Almost there. I know Come you're on, tired. Girl. This sounds ridiculous. Just, just Stone, no remorse. Jesse Stone, Jesse no Stone. remorse. No remorse. We've talked about mm-hmm. Jesse Stone before, but another one, TV movies. CBS, it's Tom Selleck and Kathy Baker where he's like a police chief who's got a drinking problem and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's based on some books that Yeah, it's based uh, on a book love. This is the sixth out of nine and one's probably coming soon. Yeah. Of these mm-hmm. TV movies. Yeah. And actually the promo I pulled is actually not like a TV promo, but I think is a like clip from CBS Sunday morning where they do a little blurb where he gets to explain who Jesse Stone is and just listening to him describe this character just really cuts to the heart of what CBS is aiming for, I feel like. (laughs) If you ask actor Tom Selleck to describe the character of Jesse Stone, you get this. I think Jesse Stone is his own worst enemy in many ways. It's part of who he is. He has what Robert Parker calls a sense of irony. And without that sense of irony, you, you just have a guy who goes home and feels sorry for himself and who wants to root for that guy. And obviously, since we're on movie number six, um, six? people root for Jesse Stone. In no remorse. It's the sixth movie? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. there's isn't it weird to know there's a dimension where Tom Selleck is working constantly and you just you, we've never oh, seen it? Blue Blood. He also so has a television. I program. know. I know. I remember reading about that ten years ago at like my Chinese restaurant job. I'm like, oh, that sounds like an interesting premise for a show. I'm not watching anything on CBS, and I was shocked to find out recently it's become a punchline because it still exists. His <laughs> like that little interview that I pulled too. If you watch it. He has aged into now looking like a drawing of a handsome man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? His, his goatee looks a little digital. <laughs> yeah, everything looks like tweaked in a way that he, he looks like almost like a very good artist rendering you know, of himself. You know what it really is, Sarah? 
his whole face was freshly dyed. That's why he looks <laughs> like, <laughs> seriously like his from his beard to his eyebrows. He was very yeah. brown, very brown, yeah. uh, uncomfortably brown. Don't pull, don't take that quote out of context. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the my favorite quote of the year, still from Eddie Murphy's SNL. If you watch that cake episode, why is your cake brown? Why is anything brown? <laughs> it's, it makes me laugh every fucking day. <laughs> Eddie Murphy and SNL. That's my plug. Uh, but also out this week, uh, well, also done this week, The New Adventures of Old Christine, uh, yes. the finale from with, with uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, Wanda Sykes, and Clark Craig. And I can't remember. Was this a show with or without Steve Carell? It had to be without. No, no Steve Carell. Okay. No. Nope. But five seasons. So, it's, I mean... Yeah. Julia Louis Dreyfus. I, I feel like this was her sort of breaking the post Seinfeld curse for all the cast members. Yeah, yeah finally getting an, something to go more than one season. She won an Emmy for this, um, yeah. and I remember watching a couple episodes and really quite enjoying it. I mean, how could you not? Julia Louis Dreyfus, Wanda Sykes, and Clark Gregg—like mm-hmm. three just all stars, people who you could always, I think, rely on to do great work. And. Um, the premise of it is that her she's her name's Christine and her ex-husband is Clark Gregg, but he's always kind of around and he has a new younger girlfriend also named Christine. So, you know, it's her being a single lady trying to deal with like her brother and her ex-husband and then also dealing with her ex-husband having a hot young, young girlfriend with the same name. Hence the new adventures of old Christine. Hmm. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. I'm trying to look so, up the, the intro to see if this is when Wanda Sykes. I don't even remember. You remember her hyphenated name back in the day? Like what? No. <laughs> yeah. No. When she was Wanda Sykes Hall. Yeah, she was ta- oh. telling jokes about her fat husband. Um, oh, I do oh, remember right. her stand up about her husband. Yes. Yeah, I do yeah, yeah. I wanted to see, like, oh, which, I, I'm trying to remember when she dropped that because, like, mm-hmm. I still think Wanda Sykes. Oh, Wanda Sykes Hall. That's who you mean. Okay. Anyway. When she dropped the fat husband. Dropped the fat Hell husband. yeah. Found yeah. herself a wife. Mm-hmm. Who's French, I believe, mm. and also fat. I don't know that at all. I just thought it was good <laughs> to say. Uh, <laughs> and more video games than in the, the entire previous sequences. Uh, I'm only going to mention three off top because of the most notable ones. Rocket Knight, a remake of the Konami game on Genesis, is out for uh, next gen platforms. Lost Planet Two. If you were listening to a recent Video Game Apocalypse episode, our buddy Greg Moore calls this game one of his. Mo- it was a huge bomb. But it also hmm. had kind of a mandatory co-op, not mandatory, but like you were playing with four people. And at the time, not everybody played together, but it resembles now Destiny and Monster Hunter and a bunch of shit people enjoy. It just sort of did it 10 years too early and people couldn't wrap their head around it because it was too big of a departure from the previous game, including the no snow. And then really a godsend. If you want to giggle... Please do yourself a favor and Google Skate 3 bloopers. The video, the last game in the Skate series, the, the, the Tony Hawk combatant that was focused on serious shit. Your analog sticks were your legs. It wasn't just button mashy combos. You had to kind of manipulate a board. And it allowed for a ton of customization. And it has the funniest glitches and bloopers of pretty much anything I've ever seen in the world. About about twice a year, I'll disappear into Skate 3 physics, f- physics bungles. It just really <laughs> makes me laugh. 
please enjoy. Do yourself a favor and Google Sonic the Hedgehog Skate 3 and just have a laugh yourself. Uh, that is about it for our show. Got to thank our patrons like Raymond Covey, patreon.com slash laser time. Please enjoy 302010 Games Edition where we talk extensively about the games and also go a little crazy this month. And the all-new Sick of Star Wars, which has ballooned to a much larger show than I thought it would be. So you shouldn't have any shortage of stuff to listen to. Hopefully a new bonus time soon. I am just been editing shows and recording constantly. I'm very tired. Uh, I have to do another show until about 2 this morning. I love you guys. Thank you for your support. I really do appreciate it in this weird, one of the weirdest times in humanity that has ever existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amen. Yeah. And stay tuned. Hey, look. We're going to plug some stuff, but stay tuned for the, the birthday quiz, and we're going to tell you who died during mm-hmm. this period. But, Di, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at ListenAnerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast3020podcast. And as we hit these summer movies, oh, summer oh, movies. It's going to get good, y'all. Summer movies, doing a little dance See what loses to Battlefield Earth at the box office. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. You could have made a movie and it would have done better. But, Brother. yeah, who who be dead during this period? Ah, but in this week, we lost three greats. In 2000, we lost Paul Bartel, who was 61. He had a heart attack right after having surgery for liver cancer. And the fuck you, heart attacks. Mm. Oh. Uh, anyway, he was uh, an actor who's kind of a hey, it's that guy. Like, you'll spot him in a bunch of stuff. But more importantly, he directed some great cult films like Eating Raul, Death Race 2000, Scenes from the Class Struggle in Beverly Hills. Hmm. Death Race 2000 is a fucking classic. (laughs) My husband just wooed from the other room because that's how good it is. Please watch Death Race 2000 if you haven't seen it. It's so much fun. Anyway, and then that was 2000. In 2010, we lost kind of the king of fantasy illustrators frank frazetta who is 82 really? and we lost a queen lena horn who was 92 she was a singer actor activist she was one of the biggest black stars in classic hollywood mm-hmm. when we didn't have any uh she was at the march on washington she was very happy telling tales out of school she dished dirt and spilled tea on everybody she was a fucking badass so mm. go go listen to stormy weather and be sad Okay, but with the, with the people who are dead, we got to talk about the people who are born with a birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly do, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong do. Oh, this week, turning seventy, born okay. May thirteenth, nineteen fifty, in Saginaw, Michigan. He was born six weeks premature and placed in an overoxygenated incubator, which caused serious lasting effects. Not the president. Those are different effects. Right. Um, um, also, he signed a record contract with Motown when he was 11. Jesus. It's, it's not... No, it's not Michael Jackson. He's gone. Yes, someone's still with us. Since then, he has had songs on the chart in four decades, including ten number ones that I will list for you now. Please. You haven't done nothing, Sir Duke, and I wish. Uh, Stevie Wonder. It is Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Also, Fingertips Part 2, Ebony and Ivory, Superstition, Part-Time Lover, You Are the Sunshine of My Life, That's What Friends Are For, and I Just Called to Say I Love You. Happy birthday to you. I, Happy it, birthday. I love that song. And, uh, Happy it, birthday. People, I really need you to be careful of conspiracy theories these days. A lot of people on my social meds, uh, let's say friends from high school, uh, want to believe every conspiracy theory that comes their way, but the most fun and innocent one that's really enjoyable is that Stevie Wonder's not blind. 
Yeah. <laughs> and the, yeah. the video evidence is hilarious because you cannot deny that dude caught a microphone falling into his face. And he reached yep. he reached out and grabbed it several times. He can, he can play drums. Yeah. He can drive. Yeah. <laughs> if someone gives him, you know, helps him out with that. Hmm. Is that Chris Rock joke? Yeah. How, how does Stevie Wonder know how much he gets paid? It's just a stack to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, if uh, he's one of those guys, we uh, a bunch of well, a bunch of months ago, we had one, an episode where we had a couple different Stevie Wonder covers as mm-hmm. the songs. And it made me paranoid that we were going to curse him and he'd die. And that sent me down a Stevie Wonder rabbit hole where I just keep thinking, we do not appreciate Stevie Wonder enough. We do not appreciate Stevie Wonder My ex was at one of those um, awful, uh, (laughs) lamentable San Francisco conventions. And uh, Stevie Wonder came out to play a couple songs because he was opening for Bill Clinton. And Bill Clinton was 45 minutes late. And she said Stevie Wonder vamped for 45 minutes, including mostly talking, and it was one of the greatest things she'd ever seen in terms Aww. of like storytelling and stand-up. And I've, I was like, fuck, I've always wanted to see... I would love him to tell just stories. Yeah. Like, why hasn't yeah. someone got a Stevie Wonder on their fucking podcast? Goddamn. Oh, man. Yeah, I think... I don't know if he's been on a podcast. I, he's been on Carpool Karaoke, and that was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. He told some stories there. I think but, he yeah, would I mean, thrive in that meeting. He's medium. been around. That guy has to be able to tell a delicious story. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, no, yeah, youngsters, you're looking for something to listen to. Uh, Inner Visions or Songs in the Key of Life Songs are two of the life. greatest albums ever. Pure joy. Made. Pure joy. Uh, Stevie yeah. Wonder. So I thought we'd go out looking at his top tens. There was one that I didn't recognize right away from the title, as you haven't done nothing. And when I listened to it, I realized, okay, not only the song fucking rule, but it's also a good banging protest song. Remember we had Rockin' in the Free World and we talked about we need more like rockin' out protest songs? Yeah. This is a full-on rockin' out protest song. All right. And it's very applicable right now. So let's go out with that. Yeah. You haven't done nothing. I can't think of anything more applicable right now. Uh, thank you very, very much, everyone. Patreon.com slash LazerTime is how you can support us. Uh, we encourage you to support us at the $5 level. Get a bunch of extra shows. Uh, we love you. Hopefully have more stuff planned for you. Seriously, we do. Uh, and we'll close out with some Stevie Wonder. Hit us up on the social media. Tell a friend about the show, and stay tuned for next week, because uh, you can already see from the notes it's going to get sad. So, all right, later, guys. Yeah, Bird on the Wire makes me sad. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we would not care to wake up to